0: Welcome to Ethereal Underground. I'm your host, TNT, and this is episode 44. I'm happy to have a new time guest on the show. And he has a lot of interesting research that he shared with me, very knowledgeable. And I asked Anthony, I said, hey, would you like to be on the theory Underground? And he said, sure. So we got our schedules lined up to where he was free this afternoon and have him as a guest. And I'm very interested to hear what he's been up to, what he's researched, and what he's doing about a subject matter that affects all of us. So it's it's very relevant and it's current, what Anthony will be able to share with us in episode forty four. as previous guests on Ethereal the Underground, we'll have Anthony introduce himself and whatever he feels comfortable with, maybe letting us know what generation he is, where did he grow up? Does he have any siblings? Maybe a little bit what happened after high school if he wants to get into that. And then primarily what led him to where he is today and what he's been up to. So with that being said, Anthony, I want to welcome you to the Ethereal Underground audience, episode 44, and whatever you feel comfortable with, not under any kind of pressure. And again, all these are unscripted, so this is a free-flowing, free format in this interview. You want to tell us a little bit about your background so we can kind of get to know you?
1: Yeah, and you know Jet, TNT, I really appreciate bringing me on here and sharing both myself ideas and research with the audience. I am an, the eldest of three military brat, so I was born into it. And my father retired a week before I went off to college. Lived around the world. Like I was born in England, New Mexico, New Jersey, Germany, North Carolina, Spain, Maryland, North Dakota, Minnesota, Virginia, New York, and Massachusetts. So, have a very kind of world experience and view. Um, I'm currently 42, was class of 98, graduated with a bachelor's in psychology from St. Olaf College, where my principal focus within psychology was neurophysiology and the study of consciousness itself where I became familiar with Stuart Hammerhoff and Roger Penrose's work on orc or immediately after college. A plan was to go into the military after 9-11. I enlisted two weeks afterwards. Like most of my extended family hails from New York. So it was kind of like a direct attack. And then after joining, I kind of put the pieces together and I'm like, oh, my goodness. (laughs) That was kind of I kind of came to my red pill moment after I had already signed up the dotted line, went to OCS, separated my shoulder and they said, thanks for playing. They said, you can go enlisted or you can get out now. And I'm like, well, I'm going to get out now right before we went into Iraq. Came home, floated around different business interests, business insurance broke a business broker, I've done health benefits, have a, a very extensive background on the risk mitigation using, and I've done a lot of interesting things kind of outside of that. And when this pandemic hit, I guess you can say is really a moment where I kind of, put a lot of things together and buckled down and realized that I needed to learn as much as I could regarding the physiology. I was working pharmaceuticals at the time, was even on the line with, or at least my supervisor was with President Trump's pandemic response team. And I gave him the information on hydroxychloroquine. And then two days later, Trump made the announcement and as a company, we had our best day ever, and it was interesting to see from a pharmaceutical distributor standpoint, kind of what was happening on the drug controls, controls with ivermectin and other alternatives that were out there just to, to deal with a common cold. It was interesting to be on that end. Am, Anthony, can you yes, hold sir. on a second? Bef-
0: Before you get into that, that's interesting. I just want to back up a little bit for my sake, because you you went real fast, which is fine. You, you You talk fast, which to me gives me an indication maybe you're from the East Coast. I know East Coast talk, talk rapidly. You have to. That's how. That's the hustle and bustle of the East Coast. I grew up in the Midwest, so I'm a little bit slower. A couple okay. things you said. You were born in England, but that's because your your father your father was in the military. Air or Force. Both your parents Air Force, mm-hmm. and uh, so you're born in England. But are you an American citizen? Because I they're am. okay. And then, do you have any brothers or sisters? Or are you the only si- child?
1: I'm sorry. Eldest of three. I have one brother, one sister. Okay. So the oldest of three.
0: And then I couldn't hear the, the name of the college or university you graduated from. You said it too fast or I couldn't hear it. Could you repeat?
1: St. Olaf in um, Northfield, Minnesota. Okay. A lot of people associate it with the golden girls, you know, St. Olaf is kind of like a place where. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: okay, so that's well I bet they had cold winters they there. do yep. yep yep and then you your major was in psychology. neuroscience psychology mm-hmm. and neuros okay that's a very interesting field of, of study because I talk a lot about that in the outer limits shows and on here about consciousness and the different levels or potentials of consciousness and it seems like maybe a lot of today people are asleep or like in a zombie type state a trance state sees a non-playable character is another term probably more derogatory term how people are just (laughs) going through the motions but they're not really sharp and they're not connecting the dots or or they just don't want to but uh, okay i I didn't mean to interrupt anthony but that helps me because you talk so fast i wanted to get that background so do you know where you left off? You're talking about your boss and when Trump was in office in that pandemic team, and you mentioned was it hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin?
1: It was hydroxychloroquine.
0: Hydroxychloroquine. and then that must have gotten to Trump because you said he mentioned it, and then that's when I kind of interrupted you. So do you want to pick up from there?
1: Yeah. Then we had our. <clears throat> then we had our best day ever as a company. It kind of, I, I kind of want to address and go back onto your point. I, actually, on the NPC side, where people are kind of, you know not all there or fully conscious and i will say that it's the it's the nature of technology both especially television and then now with cell phones to you know embed images within the subconscious so it, it and the way that the psyche is built of course you know conscious experience and conscious expression has to be pulled from the pool of the subconscious so if those are the images and things which are fed in kind of like underneath the surface then the only thing which can be drawn from the well or generally is pulled from the well are those things and it's done in mimicry and emulation of what it is that they think it is that is needed in order to achieve affirmation within the moment kind of like a side note <laughs> yeah um,
0: well thanks for know. sharing that yeah it's interesting
1: Is yeah. yes. so When the OSHA mandates started coming out and, you know, they they kind of went full federal, my state also issued mandates in August of 21. And I was at that point, I took that as an act of war and realized that I was going to have to, you know, do whatever that I could do, you know, within the space of everything that was going on in order to counteract this, this force, which was just unrestrained.
0: So what you're talking about one is what's in August twenty first? What year is this? Twenty twenty one.
1: Twenty twenty one. Yep. That's 20, when. And, mm-hmm.
0: and then what state? What what state were you in? Virginia. Virginia. Okay. And then I mean I agree we're on the same page there when you kind of view this as an act of war because what you're referencing just to fill in the ethereal underground audience the. The mandates and the pressuring of wanting people to take, I call it the mystery fluid, but an experimental concoction of these pharmaceutical companies. That's what you're referring to with these mandates. And it's an act of war, meaning this is something you should have the right, whether you want to have something in your body or not. Oh, correct. I I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just getting clarification. So go go ahead. August 21st, the mandates act of war. You're in the state of Virginia. Continue.
1: And, And two points on this. It's really, it's the issuance of the mandate and then the absence of informed consent. So there were two aspects of that. And, you know, the company that I was working for, you know, they, they have contracts and they have relationships. And I felt that Because I had made the decision to kind of do something about it that I didn't want to place anyone within the organization within any danger, you know, by reference to me. And I chose to sue Northam under a mandamus to, and a mandamus is a a specific lawsuit where you are, in essence, asking the court to give you an order to get someone in the executive branch to perform a ministerial duty. Something that they have to do by law, a ministerial duty. So the way that I sued him was under a lawsuit, and the ministerial duty that I was saying that he had to do was amend his executive order issuing the mandate to include informed consent. As well as a whole host of other things, which basically rewrote the entire health policy for the state like testing for antibodies before you get vaccinated you must you know if you already have natural infection then you you have active antibodies if the purpose of getting an injection is to have these antibodies made but you already have those antibodies made then so there's
0: there's no need then to get the injection correct
1: it's called yeah it, it's called non therapeutic research right there's no thera- there's no possible pet therapeutic benefit that could be given to a person who already has a, a all the antigens for the complete virus because the only thing that the injections make are the spike protein correct Yep. right so I, I said it was non-therapeutic research and that it was unlawfully discriminatory because you cannot mandate someone to participate in non-therapeutic research
0: now when you say this when you say he in executive order are you referring to the governor of virginia yes. okay yes. got it all right keep going
1: Yep. So there was a new government, there was an election, Governor Youngkin took over, and he rescinded the mandate on his first day in office, it was the last thing that he signed. So the court, because I was suing to have the, the order amended, you know, obviously, it's, it's kind of moot at that point. I did move to amend my filing and I did file in the Supreme court, a separate amendment and filing, but it was never accepted because amendments have to be accepted by leave of court. And by then they were just kind of like, we just want to put this, put this behind <laughs> us. I can't blame them for it, but it was the reason why they threw it out was for what they said. It was a lack of legal standing that I was making an argument on behalf of everyone in the entire state. That was different from myself you know, and me, that I have to have something against the state specifically in order to sue them over it. So it's like, okay then. And I founded the American Foundation for Informed Consent. Um, it can be found at forwardquestionshere.com. Forward is like F-W-D, Frank Whiskey Delta, questionshere.com. And I published, at that point, it was a three-part report. I have since added a fourth part but I sent that three part report along with a lecture by Dr. Bruce Patterson, where he states specifically that the S1 subunit is the causative agent for long COVID. And there are specific biomarkers, interleukins, cytokines, chemokines. They're the chemical, like neurotransmitters for the immune system. Okay. So the way that the immune system communicates with each other through chemicals. And if you're able to measure those chemicals, you're able to understand what the immune system is doing. And he's he's able to differentiate based upon the different cytokines and chemokines that are present. You know, if if it's long COVID or ME-CFS or a whole host of other, what are called differential diagnoses that are really all resulted of S1. So when I had sent that to them, I had asked them, to provide me informed consent that the S1 subunit was a biologic toxin by definition, to have and therefore informed consent that anything making it in the body is a toxic substance, as well as the the notice of the possibility of a healthcare associated infection related to long COVID, being that the S1 subunit causes long COVID, which is labeled as a disability under HHS and is direct sequelae, of COVID-19, which is a virus's public health threat, and is the therapeutic target for all vaccines on the market, is the S1 subunit. And I, I, I was met with a response from the attorney general of, it's called a demur and a plea of sovereign immunity. And I had sued under human research statutes for informed consent, because it was my contention that we're currently in phase three trials on these vaccines that qualifies as informed as, as human research. And and that, that's why I use those codes. And within the plea of sovereign immunity, basically it's where the state says that we have to consent. We have to give permission to be sued on a specific thing. and as it relates to human research statutes, there are two problems. One, informed consent is not waived. As a matter of fact, it's explicitly provided to the an exclusion to the federal government. Second, as it relates to medical countermeasures released under an emergency use authorization, it is, it is a military operation. A medical countermeasure released under an emergency use authorization is under encoded under Section 564 of the FDCA. It was part of the 2004 National Defense Authorization Act. And the only thing that distinguishes medical countermeasures under emergency use authorization is the declaration of an emergency and the fact that they are def- Defined as non investigational.
0: Can you, can you explain what they, a couple things? This was a military operation. It was, was it Section 564? Is that
1: what you said? It's called Section 564 of the FDCA. And it was part of the 2004 Defense Authorization Act.
0: Yeah, and that was during Obama and that
1: thing. 2004 was Bush. Oh, it was Bush. Bush. Yep. Bush. Yep. There are no parties in this. They're all one party. Doesn't They're matter. all one,
0: one party. Yeah, I was just trying to get the time frame. Obama was what, 2008? Yep. That's what, okay. And then then continue. Can you can use you, the next statement you made after National Defense Authorization Act?
1: Yeah, so what defines medical countermeasures as a thing in existence is that they are non-investigational.
0: Oh, that's it. Non-investigation. Yeah, I don't like the way that sounds.
1: But before that line item was put in, it was illegal, okay? And the only only reason and way that it, it is put in is under a national emergency, which something might work. So with the designation of it being non-investigational, well then it's not human research. It can't be because it's non-investigational. And because it's non-investigational and there are no human re- and there is no research which is mandated to be done for these things. Yeah. Then informed consent as it relates to the human research statutes that I was suing under it isn't required
0: it's not needed yeah correct so that's a they they created a, a convenient black hole to park this
1: thing They did but now we know
0: okay do you, do you think this I hope this doesn't get you off track if mm-hmm. it does if it does just ignore it and stay on track. I'm wondering. You go back in 2004. I understand what you're saying. There's no difference between Ford and Chevy. It's all one group. But the National Defense Authorization Act. Do you, do you suspect that part of the reasons why that was passed is they knew in the future they were going to roll this out and put it under that cover? Have to. That's what I. I that's what it seems to me. But go ahead. I didn't want to. Get you off track. uh, Continue.
1: Yeah, otherwise there would be no reason. Like they needed a tool that they could, you know, release and you know, in in a sense, attempt to absolve themselves of any legal responsibility to even look into it. Which is why the bivalents they were released under a study with eight mice, but they didn't even have to do that. They didn't even have to do that, and they're releasing it to children. It is bananas. So, I have a very deep understanding of the like physiology and biology behind it, and you know f- from a from a legal standpoint, I came to I guess two or three main discoveries at the end of the case. One, that as it relates to what's called compulsory reporting, because with, with covid being the reason for a declaration and having the designation of you know of 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 being toxic and the worst thing in the world and long covid being the direct sequelae of that which is caused by the s1 subunit and causes disabilities it is compelled for states to investigate There is a question of of jurisdiction as it relates to what laws govern the release of of EUAs, of MCMs. And the reason that the federal mandates were cut down were because federal courts ruled that state police power, that it was non-economic activity, that the distribution of a medical countermeasure is non-economic activity. If it's non-economic activity, then it falls within the 10th Amendment state police powers state jurisdiction so if that's the case then that means that state laws have sovereignty over how this is really outlaid and go to, and and is meant to be i guess challenged in court because federal courts have already said oh well no it's not us it's the states
0: yeah because the federal government they sink their teeth on that interstate commerce clause where they trip everyone up. So with this being non-economic, then it falls under each state's jurisdiction. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Continue.
1: Okay, and in order to have an EUA, <clears throat> you, you know, an emer- <clears throat> in order to have a medical countermeasure for emergency use, you need to have a declared emergency. Well, most states rescinded the declaration last year, so how is it possible for these things to still be legally distributed? That's a legal challenge waiting to happen. And it needs to happen. Some type of legal challenge needs to happen to assert the jurisdiction of the states over the federal government as it relates to how this goes on. That's one challenge that needs to be made. And then the second challenge that needs to be made is specifically on designating the S1 subunit and having it labeled either a biologic agent a biologic toxin, or a biological weapon. Take your pick. You know, it depends upon the state statute and how it's written. Okay? And, and, that's gonna, and that's a separate front, kind of going back to the compulsory reporting statutes. Because in Virginia, the way that sovereign immunity is waived, what I found was in a court case that the state had used in their argument um, while I was preparing for oral arguments, and it was afzal afzallv commonwealth and in that case the state said that they had sovereign immunity to repay like medicaid claims so it was like a it was a it was a civil thing and they referenced the the virginia administrative processes act and in that act it's like 2.2-4000 of the va code under that act there's a subheading called exclusions It's under 2.2-4002, and number 22 of that, it states that the state must create lists of dangerous diseases and pathogens, right? And that under section 32.1-35, because that code is listed under exclusions, it means that the state has waived sovereign immunity when it comes to the compulsory reporting of dangerous diseases and pathogens. Now, when I had originally began my conversations with the Virginia Department of Health, it started with an email, letting them know all of this stuff and compelling them. And there were specific administrative codes that I had cited and said that you must report this up, that you cannot withhold this information. And the And the statutory authority for those administrative codes was 32.1 35. So there, there is a legal remedy in Virginia that is waiting to be brought up in the right context. And, you know, I was doing it by myself against the entire state agency going up against, you know, Attorney General. And what I'm doing now, I'm kind of reformulating and looking at approaching this from like an education standpoint, first, to make people aware of Dr. Patterson's work, to gain recognition of it within the community. And then once that is done, then the basis and the foundation within the, I guess, larger gestalt of the medical community here would understand yeah s1 equals long COVID, and then we can start to move in hopefully together you know hopefully it is not adversarial and and it's it's my contention that within the united states there are those on the county level that know this and are just looking for a way or a key to move towards maybe a state agency you know there are different levels to this like an individual versus a county state You know or or government or it can be maybe a a group of individuals that are really keen to making this happen and it would be wonderful to see this from a, a municipal level against the state that's that's ultimately what i would love to see and one way to organize that is locally as an individual to get the municipal behind what you need them to do and there are criminal civil and professional consequences when it comes to withholding this type of information and once people become aware of this then they'll learn how to wield this fire under the butts of those who they need to move for the sake of humanity honestly and and we're we're at that stage right now right
0: Hmm. well I would imagine states would – don't you think states would be very similar to Virginia as far as this language where states, they they need to have this list of dangerous pathogens? they probably copy one another very similar, I'd imagine.
1: They do. There, There is not a state that I'm aware of that does not have statutes related to this. Because it involves things which are a direct threat to the populace, right? So every state is going to address that in some form of fashion. They all are going to address it their own way. So you got to look, and this really is a state by state thing, county yeah. by county thing, really.
0: County by county.
1: Yeah, yeah. If it goes county by county, then it's only then it's only inevitable that it'll eventually end up at the state. But at at this point, I, I don't. I I would not trust anyone. Unless they can be trusted and if people at the state want to help to organize on the County level, God bless them, you know, but I really, I believe that's where the key in Genesis is to the remedy. Cause it really does have to come from kind of grassroots. There does have to be an expression of a larger awakening, not only in awareness, but also in intent and action. And once that intent and action is manifest in you know public outcry knowledge and exposure i guess i can say you know everything else is just psyop and and and, and no one's going to be looking at the root cause it's just going to be it's just going to be climate change and racism
0: <laughs> you yeah. you know? what 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 words of advice would you give the listening audience or oh, let, let, let me let me do this let, could you in 5 or 6 minutes and maybe up to 10 minutes but 5 or 6 minutes or so how would you describe what you have witnessed maybe how you've been personally affected how would you describe with your perspective the last 3 years what do you what do you what do you think's going on let me just give you a hint maybe that was too vague like if someone gave you six minutes and said i hate to do this but could you quickly describe last three years what you think's going on with all this and then would you say well i think this is a military operation i think the darpa obviously had grants and gain of function and this is a splice bioweapon and maybe it it was to really get people injected with mystery fluids and there's technology in there. You, you know what I'm saying? What, what, how would you describe the last three years? There's no wrong answer. I just want to get your opinion.
1: A complete obfuscation of the truth. Like where existence itself attempts to rest upon a foundation of lies and subsist upon the results of what people do because of those lies from a, a larger standpoint you know I, <clears throat> I believe that our federal government has been completely infiltrated i am aware and had a, had a conversation or listened to a discussion with dr david martin 2 days ago where it was asked specifically do d- does the declaration of emergency need to be present in order to have the emergency use And he's like, look, there was never a declaration announced. They're all in fraud. You can never find the author of the declaration there because I checked speaking as him and found that there was one state that left off the copy. All the other states, you know, they kind of cleaned it up. But there was one state that that left kind of like the like the like the metadata in it. I won't tell which one. So they're all in fraud. And they're all acting in treason. They are, as as a state sovereign, the states were never supposed to have any type of interaction with the federal military. And now what they've done is, in essence, partnered with the federal government in fraud to release something which is the pathogen itself that they say is the reason why the emergency is, is announced. It's so backwards, man. It is the PSYOP of all PSYOPs. And this is coming from, I mean, this is, we start to get into like the larger things like bloodlines and controlling families, you know, where you have capitalistic interests, you know, the real movers and shakers are saying, well, we want to do this and we want to move in this direction. But I believe they miscalculated and there was one line that I had I heard, you know, the man, Klaus Schwab say, kind of in relation to this, this whole experiment, he's like, I believe we have cut maybe a little bit too deep. Like, yeah, no shit, bro. You know? So
0: that that's why I was wondering when he you said you think that there's been infiltration, that would be these old family lines, these secret fraternities and sororities that maybe go back thousands of years.
1: Yeah, and and they are used to being sovereign. And and one of the things which is, it's interesting to kind of come to this recently as to what sovereignty is and where, where it comes from. You know, like in my mind, there is one sovereign, right? And in most of human history, the recognition of the connection of that sovereign to a people who are politically organized, generally came in the form of a monarch or of some type of administrator or administrative state, which in itself assumed responsibility for all of those who are underneath them because they are so erudite and they know all. And in this, in this country, my understanding is that we, the people are sovereign through our own direct connection with our creator. And it's the idea of the connection to and with the Creator, which is being under, which is com- complete psycholog- psychospiritual attack, and being as how that's the foundation of our constitution. You know, we're endowed by our Creator by inalienable rights, and getting people so consumed and subsumed with their own, you know, electromagnetic, social media avatar existence. Then they never have a foundation of sovereignty to operate as a citizen in the first place, and they really are just products.
0: Yeah, and, yeah, that's that's the case. So that's we're, we're at a point. Obviously, there's very small percentage that are spiritually connected to the divine or source. I talk about that all the time on my show, and I don't, I don't think many. It's it's a mi- minority they're even interested in that topic. So the majority do not want, I think by their actions, behavior, and their thinking processes when you hear them speak. I think the majority of people love to be in a captive state. They probably love aspects of serfdom, slavery, and they don't want to step up to the plate and be a sovereign conscious entity where they're connected to the higher source so i i think a lot of humanity are cowards i think it's third down and they punted that's mm-hmm. an old fo- football expression <laughs> and they don't they don't want to progress and knowledge and wisdom and expand to the full potential or at least strive towards the full potential of the human experience i always talk i'm, I'm not going to hog the show because this is about you but i always talk about uh, my shows everyone pursuing plastic and leather it's a chimpanzee and this i shouldn't insult the chimpanzee because i think they're faring much better the last three years than so-called humanity <laughs> but uh, a- anyone can exhibit the physical aspect that's a no-brainer the human existence it's just so few exercise and develop the spiritual side of the human existence it's basically non-existent they haven't defined it they don't care to define it they don't even know it exists so i said yeah any netwet can run out by a corvette or at least lust for a corvette or a a expensive 90 000 four-wheel drive truck or want the infinity pool or marble countertops or whatever lowbrow plastic and leather material aspect of life anyone can do that but uh, the more important is with the abstract the spiritual side everyone drops and fumbles the ball repeatedly so I got is not going to recover there's no good there's in my opinion you might have a different opinion it's it's absurd these stupid social media I have no tolerance I don't listen watch YouTube and I got rid of TV in 1992, but there's not never in mankind's history is there a mass awakening and the majority of people are going to all of a sudden get spiritual and hogwash. It's always and always will be a point zero zero three percent that to me are awake and are striving to be a balanced human being in the physical sense and the spiritual. So I, I, I don't care. I, I do not like society, the common folks. I don't associate with them. I don't deal with them. I try to develop technologies to benefit. They don't care at all. Your best thing to do is to sell pizza and beer, and you'll be extremely successful in this world reality. But don't try to do anything else to in better or enrich people's lives or help them. Sp- just it's outright rejected. But go ahead. What, what are your thoughts? I, I went on a rant, rant there. But what, what are you thinking?
1: Well, I... I I think at some point, we all need to take responsibility for that aspect of ourselves. But sometimes that responsibility can be given and made aware to us as a gift. So, you know, whereas the desire to always have everyone at a certain level is one thing, I always like to appreciate everything as it is, because I kind of see it as it's just a matter of time for them as well. It's kind of a, a change, but I, I do agree with you on, from a society at large standpoint, to try and limit my exposure as well, both, you know, psycho-spiritually and physically, after having gone through multiple bouts, I had picked up kind of a job last year, going kind of doing home sales, you know, going and kind of talking to people in their homes. And it would take me, you know, one to two days to recover from these appointments. And and I would assume that these people, you know, had been, had received something into it, you know, in, in their own, you know, it, that they had been injected and and are an actively producing spike. And that's just my body reacting to the exosomes that are being excreted.
0: I see. So that's what you meant. You were, you, you wouldn't feel very good. It'd take a couple of days to recover. Yeah. Because you're in their home with some type of sales, whatever you were doing. Oh, okay
1: not anymore I, I, it, just, it just it messed with my head because you know, of all the people in the world I'm probably one of the very few that has explicit knowledge as to what's taking place in my body <laughs> oh, my man. you know the fatigue and I just it was just oh, it really messed with me and I'm just kind of like dude you know you know all this stuff why are you even just hang it up find something else and you know and and then I've, I've really have taken the foundation full-time here, like within the past three weeks. Wendy Mahoney, an unbelievably talented journalist, probably one of the best that I've ever read or come across. I had been speaking with her since July, and she released an article on her Substack based on kind of everything that she had had up to that point. And it is unbelievably great. Can
0: you explain to people... I hope I didn't catch you off guard. Of course. When you, when you say a, a Substack, so she went Wendy Mahoney had a Substack. Right, that that's it's a type of app or software where posts and papers can be available to the public, correct?
1: Correct. Yeah, it's a it pub- kind of like a Reddit. Yes, publishing like, platform. Publishing platform. Okay. Yep. So there there're a couple of other I can't remember his name but the former guy who founder of Greenwald you know he left the intercept and now he exclusively writes on Substack so there are a lot of journalists that will publish things on there that maybe they can't get published elsewhere because of liability issues and I'll just leave it at that but she's really stood behind me done a couple features on Twitter spaces I've joined the global COVID summit and free doctors united which are very exclusive groups and I'm kind of like in there as an equal explaining to these doctors are seeing patients the physiology of of what they're what they're dealing with and giving hints based upon the research you know that I that I've done and this morning actually <laughs> I just I came across a bombshell from and it was a friend on on discord which is another it's like a server platform kind of like a like a for forums and stuff like that and uh, she sent me this paper and it's called Direct Cryo-ET Observation of Platelet Deformation Induced by SARS-CoV-2 Spike Protein. Okay. I had put out a tweet on this. I'm at doc if you want to find me on Twitter. So at P-A-N-G-L-O-S-S-D-O-C. And what I tweeted was, and this was what the main findings of the paper are. It says S binds to platelets. The S protein triggers platelets to deform dynamically, in some cases, leading to their irreversible activation. Okay. So the S subunit binds to platelets and causes them to elongate and create what's called fibrins. F-I-B-R-I-N-S, fibrins. There is another researcher. Her name is Rezia Pretorius out of South Africa. And about a year and a half ago, she had also observed the same thing. This paper found the receptor. It says that the S protein recognizes integrin AVB3, which is also the receptor for phagocytosis on macrophages or dendritic cells. Okay, so phagocytosis is the means and the process when your immune system eats another cell. So it basically, yeah. it's, it's cytotoxicity, right? Everybody has been, have been saying autoimmunity, 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 autoimmunity. But here, we have the S protein, bind on the, even though this research was on platelets, that same protein, that same receptor also exists on macrophages and dendritic cells, which is your innate immune system. Yep. And that's what it, you know, that's just a couple hours old. I need to, now, now I'm kind of in, in a rabbit hole kind of thing, looking at, oh, holy grail, kind of autoimmunity thing. But it's just, it's bananas because that's not the only receptor that the spike protein attaches to. And that's not the only pathology that can result from it it was just a big one that was found out today and i figured i'd share it here
0: yeah i'm i'm glad you did uh, my my perspective here's where i am in this timeline in mm-hmm. january of 2020 i was on rogue news with v and back then i would appear maybe once a month once every two months i was a repeating guest before He gave me my own show on his network. So January of 2020, when this was coming out, I explained in great detail over a course of four appearances, four shows, of what this was. So this is way ahead of anyone else on the Internet, and it's it's date and time stamp for proof. 100% 100% of everything I had predicted in January of 2020 came true. Probably the last year and a half, what I stated three years ago was repeated by thousands on YouTube and other platforms. Mm. From my perspective, I mean, I'm glad they did, but I'm thinking, you know, you kind of Johnny come lately. I said that a year and a half before you did. Mm. It's, it's not about pinning a medal on my chest because I, I don't get any recognition. And I don't do that before recognition. But what I noticed is being very early and as a research scientist and the technologies I design are mechanical technologies that neutralize or kill bacteria and viruses or germs, whatever street term you want to use. So I, I had a science back background and I explained in detail what was going on. It didn't do any good, nothing. So when you when you're an early warner warning or you see what's going on and it it doesn't do any good at all. Zero. What happens mm-hmm. is hu- humanity reacts years later when it's too late. And then typically what happens is a YouTuber, let's pick on YouTube, because that's a pretty platform, a YouTuber that has a million subscribers. And maybe he or she's a comedian or he or she collects muscle cars, and they have a million subscribers. Once that YouTuber or social media influencer starts mentioning things about the mystery fluids or questioning the pandemic, they all of a sudden will get a million views because they already have a large following on a different subject matter. Mm. muscle cars or they're a comedian and that's where people get their news source they won't look at an obscure research scientist who mentioned two to three years earlier the exact same thing that the fellow's repeating who has a muscle car channel but he's got a million followers so I thought well that's that's how society is that's how they always respond they'll wait to get information years after it's too late and they'll get the information from some numb nuts who has a million plus followers, but they're not an expert in that field, but they have the the listeners and then that's where they're spoon fed the information. So what I, what I don't talk about anymore, I quit doing it two years ago because I realized the pattern wait till no one knows about seven G. So seven G technology will interface with these bioweapons And they'll be able to, in real time, give signaling. And it's not microwave, so 7G uses light. And flicker rate of light will signal protein folding. And they will be able to turn human beings into monsters or creatures, like Hollywood has had some of these sci-fi movies, in about a two to three week period. So that's what's coming down the pike. I don't talk about it, but yeah, I don't talk about it. I don't care. You'll see in time, I'm not going to mention one word about it. It's hmm. absolutely futile. I no longer engage in the public with my knowledge. Absolutely. I'm not going to do that knowing because people say, Oh, you're just doom or gloom. No, I'm highly intelligent. I know way more than almost 100% of people on this planet. Absolutely. In these fields. I don't care if that if anyone thinks that's arrogant or not. Here's the good news. The good news is I've kept my mouth shut. I don't care. I'm not going to warn or give anyone a heads up. Let the YouTuber tell you what's happening to protein folding seven years from now when everyone is reconfigured into a, a very monstrous, disgusting, gelatinous form of proteins when they're turned into zombie-like characters who are flesh-eating. So when that happens, I'm already long gone because I've gone into Gulf's Gulch in my own, com- <laughs> my, own my own community and a, a country other than the United States, and we'll be completely off grid. We'll be isolated, self-sustaining with the technologies that I've developed in agriculture and ionic fields to help air and surface contaminations. And everyone else, good luck. That's all I have to say is is good luck. And get your information where you're nice and warm and fuzzy with the comedian that's got a million subscribers or the guy that has the muscle car YouTube channel. You're in good hands. Listen to your leaders and your followers. You get what you deserve. And that's my mindset. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to be doing my shows much longer. I'll be getting rid of all cell phones. And when they switch to the central bank digital currency and facial recognition and the social scores, that's when I'm completely off radar and uh, detached from society i'll never make an appearance no one will know if i'm dead or alive it's not that it's going to matter to them anyway but knowing what's coming i've already strategized i've told a handful of people who have the intellect to understand what's going they're doing the same thing so we're getting our own community it's already underway and off to the sunset everyone else i wish everyone well and keep watching your YouTube videos and keep going down these rabbit holes with these podcasts. And I, I hope it works out well for you.
1: Well, I appreciate you engaging with me with, with everything and the technology. I hope that maybe we can keep a line open. You well, know? Yeah,
0: you and I will stay in touch because we have each other's information. So there's, there's probably about 80 to 110 people like you. You'll still be in the loop. I'm just talking the in general formats on the shows, and the, I'm, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm shutting everything down within the next probably four to eight weeks, and you'll never – not you, but I'm saying the listening yeah. public. You won't hear from me again. You'll be like, I don't know what happened to this guy. I mean, he used to have a show, and he did the podcast or whatever. He's a research scientist. And he, it was pretty interesting. I haven't heard from him. It'll 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 last about a minute or whatever, and then everyone will start watching football again or – the next Olympics, or they'll be engaged in the chatter of your lamestream media. And I'll be a wanting to be a second or third thought. People have a very short attention span, but that's yeah. all right. I'm strategizing. I know what's coming. I know human behavior, where society's headed. It is absolutely horrifying. And I am getting as far away as possible. Eventually, I'll succumb to it because a drone will spot me you'll have a boston dynamic type technology i know i can't run forever but i'll buy a couple more years and i'm going to use that to grow spiritually until it's lights out
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and uh, i've kind of been theorizing the best way of dealing with in the event of any you know boston dynamic dog it's really just a matter of optics and paint yeah. <laughs> yeah. if you approach it with a super soaker loaded with paint it's like it's a super soaker you know i don't know that it would register as a threat and then you just then they can't see and it's like oh well yeah you're understand. definitely you definitely
0: uh that's interesting you said that so that's a good piece of advice for the listening audience you want something that's very tar and oily and you need to interrupt the optics and sensors and that's yep. very inexpensive and it could be done with like you said a super soaker or a good old-fashioned water balloon type thing but if you get the formulation or the syrup, the goo, enough. It's a very effective tool to buy you some time as far as a defensive posture. I'll leave it at that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Can of spray paint. While we're on a list of suggestions, I I have come across a couple things on the biological side that individuals can take to help to break down spike. One is okinase, N-A-T-T-O-K-I-N-A-S-E, anywhere between four to six thousand units a day and serapeptase s-e-r-a. Peptase, Sarah. Peptase is another one. I can't remember the units. I want to say one hundred twenty to two hundred forty thousand units a day. Might want to just check your dose for your weight on those. Speak with a pharmacist. Look for any contraindications. But those two things have been shown to break down like the proteins themselves, kind of within the body. So, just to help to clear it a little bit faster. I figure that your audience might appreciate that.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely, because that's very helpful. And then they can just strike a keyboard and do their own research, which we always, but at least pointing in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And then you spell what it is that that'll give them a huge head start. And that's what, you know, people need to step up to the plate and do some work themselves. They just can't rely on you and me and others and never get off the couch. So yeah, people are going to have to, if they want to, stay alive a little bit longer and try to remain organic like I preached all the time, you're going to have to put some time and energy into it. Mm -hmm. If you stay idle or neutral, you'll be absorbed and you'll be compromised with the very grotesque technologies that they're rolling out.
1: Wisdom is knowledge applied. Yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah, (laughs) because knowledge There's a lot of people that have knowledge. So if you accumulate knowledge, that's one thing. But that's like having an automobile truck, a tractor in neutral. Mm -hmm. In order to engage it and have that knowledge function and serve for the betterment, you must convert the knowledge into wisdom. And that's the application of that. And most people gather the knowledge. They stay in neutral, but they never go and drive (laughs) and move forward with it. So
1: even if you fail, you learn. And then after you learn, you improve. Like, I'm not a lawyer. I had no clue. I just knew a little biology, and I read some, you know, legal filings. I'm like, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do now. Let's see what happens. You know, you never really know.
0: Well, Anthony, I'm glad you came on the show for episode 44. Mm -hmm. It was a complicated show because of the material you presented but the nice thing about these podcasts is you can always pause rewind or listen to it a second this is probably an episode i anthony i think people listen twice mm-hmm. just just to absorb it and hit pause and back up especially if they're writing notes and that aspect of podcasts is is what i like where you can download it listen to it a second third time if need be and then take notes, but I'd like to have you again for maybe a a part two in in upcoming weeks, you know, depending on your schedule, because like you said today, when you found out the information about the platelets and the fibrins with the the AVB3 receptor, Mm -hmm. you'll probably, you'll probably get, let's say I have you back on part two and it's six, six weeks from now eight weeks, six to eight weeks, you'll probably dig up a lot of interesting new material in the next month and a half, two months. So part two, it'd be interesting to see where you are and what kind of golden nuggets you've dug up. And and you're in communication with some other people. You're probably more in tune than I am because I'm, I've been at this so long, I'm burnt out. So as a research scientist, I'm being more reclusive. And I'm pulling away from society. You're young enough and probably have more energy. You're still engaged. So you could probably bring up some current information that the audience would appreciate. But you don't have to say anything now on air. We can always talk offline and see if you want to come back for a part two.
1: Stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> I do have projects, like public projects, I'm getting in touch with people here locally and things have just blossomed, like I said, with probably within the past 10 days, it's going to get very interesting. And I look forward to seeing what develops and sharing with your audience.
0: And hopefully you, you are still here and you don't have some radical guy run you over on your bicycle or something of that nature. Nowadays, nothing surprises me. You kind of have to have your head on a swivel, unfortunately, <laughs> if you get my drift.
1: That's why all my stuff is published. Yeah. Good (laughs) idea. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And there are those who know who I am, and, you know, it's fun. Well, we'll we'll
0: end it there. We want to thank Anthony for showing up for episode 44 on Ethereal Underground. I'm your host, uh, TNT. It stands for Tim Tupman. And uh, we look forward to, if he's still around and I'm still around, maybe a, a part two. In the next month and a half or two months, we'll see what our schedules are like. Mm -hmm. So uh, thanks, Anthony. And everyone, take care. I always recommend, you know, get grounded in nature. And 40 minutes is the sweet spot, 40 minutes to two hours. I think two hours is, that would be ideal. But if you could spend 40 minutes a day outside, sunrise, sunsets, in the garden, walking your pets, playing ball with the kids, whatever it might be, is very important. Detach from the electromagnetic video world that we seem to be doused with and get down to that eight hertz Schumann resonance. That's when humans are really the most active. So with that being said, until next episode 45, take care.